You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I spent an hour talking with Sam Vecini of The Athletic, one of their fantastic national NBA writers, and he had a lot to say, a lot of brutal honesty when it comes to the Sacramento Kings. He shared his thoughts on De'Aaron Fox and his ceiling. How high can De'Aaron Fox get? Can he be the star that the Sacramento Kings want him to be? He talked about some of the things that Marvin Bagley needs to work on, but why he still believes in Bagley. He had some brutal honesty about Luke Walton's job as a head coach this season with the Kings, about the decisions that the front office has been making, whether or not Buddy Heald is a starter in the NBA, and if the Kings should even consider spending money to bring Bogdan Bogdanovich back, seeing as how they're already paying Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, and they have an extension on the horizon for De'Aaron Fox, plus a whole lot more. You are going to hear part one of our conversation on today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast presented by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Kings, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season, all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for over the last five years. This is my sixth season covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and reporter. And I'm very excited uh, to share this conversation that I had with Sam. He was very generous with his time, was also uh, fantastic and interesting to listen to. We debated and talked about some things back and forth as there's some things that he's written about when it comes to the Sacramento Kings and some of his opinions that he has on the Sacramento Kings that you will notice are significantly different from my own. However, engaging in that conversation, I think uh, we were really able to hash out a lot of those things and Sam brings up a lot of good points and also a lot of, like I said, brutal honesty uh, when it comes to the state of the Sacramento Kings and in his mind how far they still have to go uh, before they are a perennial playoff team and especially a uh, title and and NBA finals contender. Uh, So I'm not going to waste any time here because this conversation is going to dominate both this episode and the next episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. So without any further ado, enjoy part one of my conversation with the Athletics' Sam Vecini. With the abrupt stoppage to the 2019-2020 NBA season, of course we were talking about the Sacramento Kings and their potential playoff push, uh, but I also forgot about how many discussions we were having about the future of the Sacramento Kings, the big decisions that the Kings had to make uh, coming into the offseason with, are they going to re-sign Bogdan Bogdanovich? Is Buddy Heald a starter or a sixth man? What about the future contracts of both De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley? So many questions still on the table for the Sacramento Kings and their future beyond just winning games, although I think we'd all agree that that aspect is the most important part right now. And I am joined right now by Sam Vecini. He is a fantastic writer for The Athletic, uh, and he wrote an article recently, just a really deep, in-depth breakdown of the Sacramento Kings, their young players, talks a lot about De'Aaron Fox, a lot about Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley as well. It's titled the 2019-2020 NBA Rookie Scale Rankings, number six, Sacramento Kings. Now, after this interview is done, I encourage you to go and read this article all the way through because there's so much good stuff here, uh, and I'm very excited to have Sam, the uh, author of this article joining me right now. Sam, it's a pleasure to speak with you. How are you, my friend? Matt, how you doing, man? 
I'm doing well. I'm I'm desperate for the NBA to return. I'm hoping this uh, Orlando thing can work out. Although we're we're seeing more news of of players testing positive. Nikola Jokic now testing positive. So there's definitely some concerns about it happening. But I'm I'm very optimistic that we'll be getting basketball back. Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, I I mean, like I hope that they can do it in a safe way. Like I think that that's first and foremost on the minds of everyone. I, I really hope that. Uh, you know, we can, we can find a way to make it so that the players are as safe as humanly possible for undertaking this endeavor. But uh, as long as they are comfortable playing, I'm comfortable watching. Honestly, I've forgotten about the, the stress of the decisions that the Sacramento Kings have to make going forward and the, just the stress of everyday basketball. And it reminds me of when Sacramento went through the relocation saga scare and, and what we all wouldn't have given to have to just deal with the pain of having a losing basketball team in Sacramento. Now we know the team is for sure here and we've dealt with more years of losing basketball. So many decisions to be made by the Sacramento Kings. That's why I appreciated this article so much that you had written before we dive into kind of the meat and potatoes of things though Sam do you mind sharing and giving a brief synopsis of what the NBA rookie scale ranking system is and how it works and how significant (laughs) it is for the Kings to be at number six at least as of right now yeah so uh, my idea was to do you know fan graphs ranks every baseball player under the sun right every player signed to a professional contract uh hockey certainly ranks uh, every player under the sun that has been drafted by these organizations that are uh, their professional rights are owned. Right. And I wanted to do something similar, obviously with basketball, it's a little bit different because the players immediately play. Right. But I thought that would make it almost more interesting because it gives an insight into guys that we're already seeing guys that are, you know, in some cases like De'Aaron Fox already on the precipice of stardom. Yeah. And in in some ways it has, uh, you know, at the end of the day, because, you know, for instance, a team like Milwaukee is in incredible shape as long as Giannis Antetokounmpo is on their team because he's 25 and because he's unbelievable. But someone like Giannis is not eligible for these rankings because he's not on a rookie scale deal. Right. Uh, So it's not even necessarily ranking the futures of NBA teams. It's ranking the young players, the prospects, uh, young is probably the bad word given the buddy heels involved, still, right. but like, uh, finding a way to designate prospects, uh, is difficult in the NBA. So I just decided to do rookie scale because I thought that it was, uh, the cleanest break almost right. Uh, there are very few examples of guys like buddy Heald and Bogdan, both of whom are probably among the two of two of the five highest aged players that I wrote about. Right. But the idea here is essentially I early on talked to, you know, something like 25 NBA executives, uh, you know, from general manager to scout to G league executives, to team level executives, analytics guys, I ran the gamut. Right. And just asked questions like, you know, who's, cores do you like the most like what do you think of this team what do you think of that team and um you know at the end of the day like a big portion of this is my ranking and uh you know i'm the one that's parsing the information and breaking down the players so uh, a lot of this is my opinion as well uh that's certainly the most important part but i certainly take uh advisement from 
people's people whose opinions in the game that I trust. Uh, at the end, I did 30 articles breaking down every single team's rookie scale ranking players and uh, went pretty in depth. The uh, final total is going to be like 250,000 words wow. on uh, 30 teams plus three additional articles doing team rankings and doing uh, a top 50 ranking that'll come out on Thursday. Well, look, Sam, anytime the Kings make a list and they're in the top 10 of something that doesn't have negative connotation to it, there's there's many celebrations going on here in Sacramento. Uh, <laughs> so I, I really appreciated how you put it all together, and, and I thought it fairly captures the not necessarily lack of youth in Sacramento, but definitely the lack of experience, right? The young De'Aaron Fox and young Marvin Bagley are still the hopeful one-two punch, but you bring up Buddy Heald, who is just now entering his major contract, but we got his age wrong, or the NBA got his age wrong, and he's actually 28. Bogdan Bogdanovich had plenty of time overseas before uh, coming here to uh, to Sacramento and playing in the NBA. So the Kings are kind of in the best of both worlds, but also in the worst of both worlds in, in different ways, uh, and it's fitting that you brought up De'Aaron Fox to start of course starting your article with De'Aaron Fox which makes a lot of sense we know that Fox is the head of the snake as Luke Walton likes to call him uh you talk a lot about De'Aaron Fox's slow start to this season under Walton and how that turned into a surge over his final 24 games uh before the season abruptly stopped Uh, but you did say that you aren't convinced that he can be the best player on a title contender yet so I wanted to know from you what is it going to take uh, to show that for you to believe that, and is that even possible when you're in Darren's case leading a overall losing franchise? Yeah, for me with De'Aaron, it's going to take a more consistent pull-up game. Uh, it's going to take uh, just more consistent shooting in general. Obviously, uh, it's. I don't want to say that we should write this season off because there were a lot of positives. There were a lot of negatives, but obviously it was very interrupted is probably the fair way to put it. Right. Uh, He did get much more efficient as a scorer inside the arc. This season Uh, was much more efficient as a finisher. That's a skill that uh, I thought he always has had uh, going back to his college and high school days. I want to say that he finished in like the 80th percentile uh, in terms of overall finishers in college basketball uh, during his time at Kentucky. So a very, very strong finisher in the half court uh, up until his you know NBA career started. And then uh, it's taken a couple years just for him to get stronger and to get uh, more capable. Uh, I think that for him to take that next step though, I like that he got better with his passing ability. Mm -hmm. I think he could stand to take another step forward there. And I think he's going to have to uh, improve as a finisher on pull-up shots because, uh, you know, the shot has always been the number one concern with De'Aaron. This year it took a small step back. And we we have to hope that it can get back to its levels that we saw during his sophomore year. It was just kind of a weird year for De'Aaron. Like it was just a, you know, I think that the adjustment to playing under Luke and playing super slow, especially early in the season was, you know, very strange and very different for what this team did. And, uh, you know, probably hurt De'Aaron more than anyone because he's lightning fast and can get separation at will basically at the NBA level. But, um, you put him in the half court, it's 
you know, a little bit slightly less effective, I would say. Not a ton less effective, but slightly less effective. Uh, I'm an enormous fan. I think he's going to end up being, you know, an all-star point guard for a while. But, you know, best player on a title contender. I mean, that's a top five player in the league. And I, I don't know if I see De'Aaron Fox being like a top five guy in the league either. Right. So you brought up Luke Walton's system, and we're going to talk plenty about Walton's system later on, the amount of excuses potentially that he has and how the Kings, Vlade Divac, essentially removed the excuses from him before he was even hired by the team after they fired Dave Yeager. But going back to Fox, you mentioned his finishing ability and that's something definitely I took notice of I, I was what I personally wanted to see as someone who's watched Fox's entire career in Sacramento is I wanted to see Fox take a step forward not just statistically but just that clear leader the guy that okay the Kings need a big bucket here they they need to stop the bleeding or they're trying to, to finish out a run and close out a game against a maybe superior opponent De'Aaron Fox needs to get be the guy uh, to put the team on his back and on top of showing that a little bit more to me Uh, he also seemed to get a little more respect I don't know if that's the right word from officials he ended up getting to the free throw line a lot more but he's still struggling with his free throws and that's something he himself has talked a lot about he's holding himself accountable there Uh, so we don't need to worry about De'Aaron not paying a lot of attention to his free throw woes oh well like with De'Aaron the thing is that like that dude is like you talk to anyone or across the NBA about him. He's just like an elite of the elite level human being. Right. Like you, you never have to worry about him holding himself accountable. You never have to worry about him getting in trouble. You never have to worry about uh, him being anything other than just like a great person. Like that, that that's all fantastic with the Aaron. Absolutely. And on top of that, we know he has that work ethic and he's going to work on everything. So in your mind, watching him play, understanding what it takes to to develop into an all-star, even a superstar, what do you feel is more important to to his game? The improvement of his, his free throw shooting and consistency there or the improvement of his outside shot uh, from beyond the arc? That's a great question. Oh, and it could be twofold. We just don't know. He's getting to the line more. He's taking a step back also with his three-point shooting. But one of the things I liked a lot from him, Sam, this year, even though his his three-point shooting is back down to 30% from 37 last year, is he's taking them at a more consistent rate, and he looks yep. more confident in that shot, even if it wasn't falling as much as he would like. I am going to say that I think that the three-point shot is more important, if only because he gets to the line enough now to where even if he does hover between 70 and 75%, that's still going to be like 1.4 to 1.5 points per possession, right? Like that's still an efficient number. Yeah. The three point shot is not an efficient weapon yet in his arsenal. Uh, He is, you know, teams don't really respect him as a shooter. Like they they just go under ball screens. uh, Like it's nothing on him. So to me, I would say the three point shot is more important, but you know, I think that he, him taking a leap in both of those categories would substantially help his uh, career. Quick interruption here as I take the time to tell you about one of our fantastic sponsors here of the Longton Kings podcast, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, Fiat, Kia, and models, Pacifica XT5, it is now impossible to stock all of the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer. 
choosing the only brand that his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based off of what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and it does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com You talked about defensively De'Aaron Fox uh, in this article and I actually really like uh, what you had to say about when he is on defensively he's a really he's almost Patrick Beverly like in just terms of he's a nuisance he's a pesky defender and you can see him get under the skin of guards when he cares enough to play with that kind of intensity and that's that's one of my biggest concerns about Fox uh, is when he's on he can be a great defender but that's not consistent yet, and I, I wouldn't call him a good defender yet just because we haven't seen the consistency uh, from him on that side of the floor, which I understand can be difficult when you have so many expectations on your shoulders as an offensive weapon, both as a floor general and as a scorer. So in your mind, how does he balance that that scoring and, and being the leader offensively with that high defensive effort and intensity because I imagine if you play that intense on the defensive end all the time you tire yourself out a little bit and maybe aren't as effective offensively yeah I think that the biggest thing that will help him there is getting stronger uh just continuing to physically mature as a person being willing and not necessarily willing because I do think he's willing to embrace contact and play physically uh being just able to take the wear and tear that comes with a full 82 game season and playing on both ends of the floor. Uh, like you said, and like I said, like he's certainly gotten better with that right now. He's just a little bit more pesky than he is like great yeah. on that end. I would even call him like a plus defender. Like, I, you know, we're probably like parsing between like what is good, what is above average, mm-hmm. what like, you know, uh, I don't like, I think he's probably like somewhere in the slightly above average like zone. Right. Um, I, I don't think he's a negative defender to be sure. Uh, he sets a tone at the point of attack a lot of the time that kind of helps the rest of the defense, I think. So he is a very, he has a lot of upside defensively is the way I would put it. There's right. a lot of, potential defensively that if he can get a little bit stronger can embrace that contact can embrace the physicality over the course of an 82 game season while also running the offense I think that that's the biggest place almost as much as 
like learning rotations or getting even more active with his hands. Like there are a lot of different like little things that guys can improve defensively. Like I think that he's got most of the like mental acuity stuff. He's got all of the tools, obviously. It, to me, it's just like get stronger. Like he gets stronger. He's going to be really good. Yeah, and you made a great point in your article that one of the biggest pluses of De'Aaron Fox over these last two and a half or two and three quarter seasons is the fact that the Kings know for sure they they made a correct uh, selection when it comes to finding a, a, a focal point, a centerpiece, a foundation to build around. And uh, that's absolutely the case here. We know that De'Aaron Fox is in for the long haul in Sacramento, at least as of right now. But one name that we thought was also in for the long haul that has now become a really controversial figure here in Sacramento this season has been Buddy Heald. Got that massive payday at the beginning of the year. Uh, was not afraid to use the media and, and public perception to his advantage to get that deal. Uh, then ends up having a a, a rough mo- majority of the season in certain ways, has I- issues with Luke Walton and his system and his playing time and sitting on the bench uh, during crucial uh, fourth quarter moments. Uh, and I feel, I, I, I'm fairly, or I, I've looked at myself and said, you know what, Matt, you've been a little maybe too critical of Buddy Heald this season based off the fact that he had to carry the team on his back with both Fox, Bagley, and and a multitude of other players out with injuries. But I feel overall, Sam, that Walton's system has kind of exposed Buddy Heald as a average to below average overall basketball player with an elite shooting ability. Is that more on... Oh, wow. Is that more on Buddy (laughs) Heald, or is that... Am I wrong there? Is that more on Luke Walton's system and Walton maybe completely misusing him? What do, what do you think? I mean, it, it's it's really hard for me to go anywhere near below average with Buddy Heald, just given, like, Buddy had a bad year this year. Buddy still averaged 19.8 points and did so uh, on a 56-6 true shooting percentage that's, like, slightly bo- above league average. Uh, it's... I get that the defense is not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that he is somewhat limited is maybe a fair way to put it okay. in terms of what he can do with the ball. Uh, I think he's gotten better as a ball handler. Like you can't just like shamelessly close out on him without him being able to attack a closeout mm-hmm. and get into the paint. Right. Like he's not always going to be an exceptionally like attack oriented player attacking closeouts, like attacking the rim fiercely and uh, you know, trying to finish at it. But Buddy Heald is a really, really good offensive player because Buddy is one of the best shooters in like NBA history. Like, I mean, if we're going to talk about 50 best shooters in NBA history, like he's almost certainly established himself as that already. In addition when he does attack the rim and pick his spots, he's a pretty good finisher at the basket, too. He hit 61.8% of his shots uh, around the rim this season in half-court settings. That's a very, very above-average number. A lot of those shots come off of cuts uh, or come off of, um, you know, little semi-transition moments where they get qualified as the half-court, right? Uh, or he's, like, back-cutting off of the screen, right? But, man... Buddy is just really efficient offensively to the point where uh, given the value on shooting in today's NBA, and it is at a premium 
uh, in the way that it affects the game. Buddy, Buddy's presence makes the Kings better on offense by a pretty substantial portion. And even during that terrible start to the season where Buddy was not shooting as well as he typically does and, you know, was miscast as a first offensive option, because mm-hmm. I agree with you, he's not a first offensive option. Um, the team was still like two and a half points per 100 possessions better when he was on the floor versus when he was off the floor. Uh, he is, he's a really, really good player. He's like very clearly uh, a starting caliber NBA player. I know he was good coming off the bench this year, but yeah. like there are not 25 better shooting guards in the NBA than Buddy Heald. Right. So that's, that's a, that's a good point to bring up. And and I'll also say that never once did I feel that Buddy Heald was not worth the money that he was paid. And we celebrated that contract when it was made for a reason. And I, I don't think the Kings deserve to have maybe buyers or signers remorse, I suppose, uh, based off of that now. Um, however, and again, maybe this is more on, on Walton's system and how Walton tried to use him. Uh, but I mean, defensively, Buddy Heald for a large portion of the season has been really bad, but to Buddy's credit and to, and and to actually a a point that Buddy brought up and made himself in a a post-game press conference, he should not be held out and held to a higher standard defensively than his teammates who also have not been good defensively. Like I think we can all agree the Kings overall as a defensive team are very below average. Um, but for some reason, Luke Walton, Sam seemingly wanted Buddy Heald to be bringing the ball up the floor and be running the offense through Buddy at times to give Fox a break at, or maybe move Fox with some off ball sets and some off ball screens. And that's been something that I've been scratching my head looking at this entire year, which makes me wonder how is it that Buddy Heal can go from such an effective piece in Dave Yeager's style of offense to being kind of a head-scratcher piece in Luke Walton's offense, but that not be a negative indicator on, on Walton? Does that make sense? Oh, I, I think Luke Walton was not good this year. <laughs> like, uh, I, I thought I, I maybe sh- like you know sugarcoated it a little bit mm-hmm. in the story, but uh, I, I do not understand playing slow with this roster. Uh, it does not help Buddy Heald, who is one of the best transition slash, uh, you know, chaos relocator three-point shooters in league history. Uh, it does not help De'Aaron Fox in terms of getting his speed uh, up to par. Uh, Marvin Bagley obviously didn't play a ton this year, but the whole purpose of Marvin Bagley is that he is an exceptional running mate for those two because he's one of the most athletic players in the NBA and uh, is a great offensive and defensive rebounder and thrives in chaos. Right. Like I I don't, I I don't know what the hell was going on in Sacramento this year. Yeah. I I don't, I don't think any of it was good from a coaching perspective. Walton's system, his his philosophy, which he he preached to us a ton uh, in his his press conferences, and I started to see it and respect it, I guess, a little more as it went on. Now, I am firmly in the camp of I don't think the Kings should have ever gotten rid of Dave Yeager, although I understand why they did. Uh, That being said, Walton has preached this. He wanted the team to get better overall and he wanted to establish what he liked to call sustainable winning in Sacramento to where he felt that this team being a run and gun team if that that was ever taken away from them that they'd hit a wall similar to how they finished the 2018-19 season and then they'd be kind of easy to figure out so that was his focus and over time I think 
overall, and I'm using air quotes there, the Kings got a little bit better, but still were not properly utilizing their roster. And that leads me to the decision of bringing Buddy Heald off of the bench. Yeah, which, oh, like, can, I, can I just like talk real quick about the whole, you know, because it seems like what you're saying is like fast teams get figured out. Sure. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, teams that play at pace like Houston or Golden State or the old Suns teams. If you're talented enough to play it, the whole goal is to optimize your roster as a coach. Um, we can talk a, enough about whether or not De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, whatever they do with Bogdan this summer. I, I think it's a reasonable conversation if that core is good enough to compete for a title. Like, I, I don't I don't know that they are. Like, mm-hmm. I think that they still probably need a couple pieces to be there. But as a coach, I don't really think that you're doing anyone any favors by not optimizing what you have yeah. at the end of the day. It's time for me to tell you about my new favorite snack, Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. They're delicious. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 20 amazing flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. And on top of being delicious, literally tasting like your favorite candy bar, they are incredibly healthy for you. Built Bar is Perfect for the health-conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie and low-sugar, but high-protein and high-fiber. And if you've heard me talk about Built Bar before, you know I've shared the fact that I'm a very picky eater. And I've never found protein bars that I really liked or enjoyed. I always tasted that protein. I never tasted the what the flavor is supposed to be, right? That is not the case with Built Bar. The flavors are absolutely delicious. You don't taste the protein in it whatsoever. It literally tastes like a candy bar, which is why my wife and I love it. In fact, we have to fight over bars every single morning to make sure we each get our favorite flavors. And speaking of those favorite flavors, my favorite is mint brownie. And check this out. 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Another one that is really delicious is the peanut butter brownie bar. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get $10 off of your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. What was it that you saw from the Kings at the end of the 2018-19 season? Was it just fatigue of playing a whole year, playing fast and just not being able to finish that? Or did you see teams adjusting to them better? What did you see? And in your mind, what was the reason for why the Kings kind of faltered towards the end with Dave Yeager? Yeah, honestly, I don't know that it was like a a, a faltering thing. Like I know they played worse, but like to me, it was more that they probably exceeded expectations early in the season. Okay. Like, I, I think it was more of a reversion to the mean situation as opposed to, uh, Oh yeah. These guys just got wiped from playing too fast. Like, I mean, all these dudes are, you know, pretty young, like Harrison Barnes is in good shape and got there late. Right. Like, uh, buddy healed is in ridiculous condition. If you've ever seen that dude, Aaron Fox, uh, can run forever at the very least. Maybe I can, except a case that he got uh, worn down just being the focal point for the first time. Right. Uh, Yeah. To me, I I think that 
it was more just they probably reverted to the mean later in the year. And like even at the end of this year, right? Like so here you look at their uh, losses down the stretch in 2019 lose on the road to Portland, on the road to Utah, uh, lose to the Houston Rockets twice who were a very good team, uh, lose on the road to the Pelicans, lose on the road to the Lakers, which not a great loss, obviously, without LeBron then, mm-hmm. um, lose on the road to the Sixers, the Celtics, the Wizards uh, on the second, third, and fourth game of a road trip. Uh, you lose to the Celtics, you lose to the Clippers, you lose to the Bucks, like, these are all good teams. Yep. They lost to the Warriors at one point. They lost to the Nuggets, like in February. They, they lost to good teams. Like, <laughs> I don't know that it was necessarily that there was some massive swoon gotcha. at the end of last year. It was just a reversion to the mean, probably. Because, I mean, like, we going into last year, we all thought that team was what, like a 32 win team? Oh, I think we, I think we would have been thrilled with, yeah, because thirty one was, or thirty, it was either thirty one or thirty two was the highest number that they they ever won with Demarcus Cousins, and I remember all of us saying going into the year, our two wish list items were win more games than you ever won with Demarcus, which seemed like a big ask, and two, uh, just establish a sense of identity, and they were able to do both of those things, and on top of that, jump a couple rungs of the developmental ladder per se, uh, which maybe maybe led to and and self admittedly here too high of expectations for the Kings even this season yeah I mean they won like before I started running through that like schedule they won 30 of their games in their first 56 Mm -hmm. and then they just played a bear of a schedule at the end of the year right like I think that's gonna happen by the way like I think that's kind of what happened this year too right like you look at their wins coming down the stretch right now uh it was Portland on the road it was Washington it was Detroit an injured Memphis team, a disaster Warriors team, uh, San Antonio, Minnesota's in this mix. Like they beat some bad teams here. Uh, I think that the scheduling gods have hit this uh, Kings team in a way that makes it prone for overreaction Mm. in regard to their performance at the end of the day. That concludes part one of my conversation with Sam Vecini. We still have so much to talk about. You have no idea how much great stuff is still coming. So make sure you tune in on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast to get part two of my conversation with Sam. There's already plenty to unpack from part one that you just heard. If you have any responses, comments, concerns, criticisms, anything like that uh, to our conversation, please send them to me on Twitter at MattGeorgeKHDK or you can email them to me mgeorgeatsacklocalmedia.com. Also, make sure you are participating in this contest that I'm doing here on Locked on Kings. And if you're interested, leave a review of this podcast on either Apple uh, Podcasts or on iTunes, and you automatically are entered to win a Kings jersey of your choice from the Kings team store. I will order it and have it sent to you. All you have to do is leave a review. A winner will be picked at random on Friday. That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Kings. I hope you join me for part two tomorrow. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.